0: If you have your Bibles, would you turn to Luke chapter three? And here we are in our first week of our Advent series. Hope you had a great Thanksgiving break last week. But we're opening up here tonight in Luke chapter three. And uh, so what I'll do is I'll read this text and then I'll pray and we'll jump in. So hear the word of the Lord from Luke chapter three. It says, in the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar. Notice all of the names here, flag in your mind the names. In the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar when Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea, when Herod was tetrarch of Galilee, when his brother Philip was tetrarch of Iturea and Trachonitis, sounds like a disease. <laughs> Trachonitis. And Lysanias was tetrarch of Abilene during the high priesthood, here's some more names, of Annas and Caiaphas. In all of those names, in all of those stories, in that moment in time, the word of God came to John, John the Baptist, son of Zechariah, who was out in the wilderness. And he went into all the country around the Jordan, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. As it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, this is what John the Baptist was saying, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord and make straight paths for him. And every valley shall be filled in and every mountain and hill made low and the crooked roads shall become straight and the rough ways smooth and all the people We'll see God's salvation. This is the word of the Lord and all God's people said, thanks be to God. Let's pray, Lord, we need you. We need you. We've been out working and running around and living life and there's been some joy this week and there's been difficulty this week. It's been all of it crashing together and here we are at the end of the week on Friday night and we say, Lord, we need a divine reset. We need you cleanse us. We need you to fill us with your spirit. We're empty. We need you, Lord, to cause our cup to overflow again. We need you to speak to us tonight. We need you, as as one great uh, black female preacher said, a great sermon comforts the afflicted and afflicts the comfortable. So Lord, we pray wherever we are on that, that scale, on that continuum, Lord, speak to us in the way that we need to hear from you. So we pray, Lord, may your kingdom come and may your will be done tonight in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and all God's people said, amen. Amen. This this time of the year can be so beautiful. I say it can be because it's not always. it 's complex in its own ways, and from Thanksgiving to Christmas, some of you have to bump into crazy uncles and have conversations and All the people who were trained not to talk about politics and religion both talk about politics and religion and and you know it's just it, it can be a beautiful time and you know, the simple joy of children as we put up our tree last week and all the stockings and, uh, and we told them we're not buying them anything, but we're, we're going to have a tree this year. And that's a joke. Uh, it's OK. Like, like, whoa, <laughs> religious conviction. So you know, we got everything up and put the lights up and the kids are excited and we're gonna go see Nana and Pops in Tulsa and we've got a new little puppy coming in two weeks. And so all just the buzz, right? It can be a beautiful time of the year and taking pictures and and having friends over and the hot cocoa and the extra cookies and all the stuff and the matching jammies. Can we talk about matching jammies for a minute? Because I got problems with matching jammies. Like Lisa has all, Josh, I thank you. Someone else with some conviction. Like, we always get the kids matching jammies, but one year Lisa was like, all five of us. I was like, heck no. She's like, what, you know, yes, we're gonna go. I bought you some. I bought you some. Bought medium, you know, 32 waist. I'm, you're wearing the jammies. So I got up on Christmas morning, Lord have mercy. I put those jammies on, and I felt like my name should be Danielle. It just, it was not right. Had the little buttons in the back and stuff. It was just, Lisa, you defiled me. I told her I got one of these in me. I got one and I just spent it. But it can be a really beautiful time and great memories and all that. But in the text we read tonight, it was a time of great confusion. It was a time of great, Travail. It was a time of world history where there was upheaval and wars and rumors of wars breaking out. And the Roman Empire had, was not content just to rule the boot of Italy. They had gone to the north, south, east, and west with the Iron Fist and were dominating people right and left, subjugating nations in their own hometown. And this had happened in Israel They were living in their promised land. They finally got back home from all of the exiles to Assyria and Babylon and Persia. And they're in Jerusalem, but they're slaves in their own homeland. It was a time of great travail. Like in our own day, Luke was writing during a time of pandemonium and Political chaos, Caesar Augustus had recently died in 14 AD and Tiberius Caesar had taken over, but he wasn't just content to rule from Rome. As I said, he was moving out. He was expanding the empire and he was ruthless. So there's Tiberius Caesar, the ruthless Roman emperor, then we see in the text there's Pilate who is over in the Holy Land area of Judea where Galilee is and you got Herod Antipas in Galilee as well. And you got Philip and and Trachonitis and Lysanias and Abilene. And you've got Annas and Caiaphas, the high priest. You see all these names. It's meant to cause confusion in the reader. Like everyone was jockeying for power and everyone wanted a place and everyone wanted their stake and everyone wanted a cut and they were overtaxing these people. Some historians say that in this time, a good Jew living in the homeland was being taxed up to 90% of their income because there were so many hands in the cookie jar. It was a cacophony of kingdoms. So many names, you can hardly keep up with the org chart. Like who's in charge here? Tetrarch, this word, there were four of them. A tetrarch means a ruler of a fourth part of the land. So you had Pilate, you had Herod, you had Philip, you had Lysanias. But tetrarch also means a petty prince, a small prince. He's not, he's not Tiberius Caesar, he's not the big dog, but he's a petty prince. He, he, he's got kind of that... Um, that syndrome where he thinks he's something and we'll give him enough territory for him to think he's something, but everyone back in the motherland is going, oh, bless his heart, you know, the Tetrarch. (laughs) So there's four of these competing for the holy land and this text clues us into the battle being waged for our worship, for our affection. There are so many options of where we can place our trust, Well, this one was good to me and that one was kind of bad. So I'm going to kind of put all my chips on the table over here with Lysanias. And I'm going to, you know, uh, there's a competition for our affection. There's a competition for our trust. And there's all of us, we've got our own little fiefdom, our own little kingdoms. And we all have just enough power to feel powerful. And we love, uh, if we're just being honest in our fleshliness, we just love being lords. Give me my territory and and I'll kind of circle the wagons and you stay where you are and I'll stay where I am. But just give me my little place to be Lord of. And it says in the text that Luke says, the word of the Lord came to John in the wilderness, not in the halls of power. (laughs) Like you you have to go to the wilderness in this moment to find the true move of the spirit because all these people are operating in the flesh in the halls of power. The word of the Lord broke in, not in the halls of power, not in the capital city, not in the posh corridors of of the, the Roman parliament. But the word of the Lord had to move on out to the wilderness where the man John the Baptist was wild and eating locusts and wild honey and out there saying, prepare the way of the Lord in the wilderness where the homeless endure their homelessness, and in the wilderness where outcasts live in their exclusion, in the wilderness where the seemingly powerless prophet was out preaching a word of true power. You've got all these little tetrarchs and you've got Rome thinking they're in charge of the world and the Holy Spirit comes on a vagabond out in the wilderness going, you think you know what power is? Get ready. The word of the Lord came to the wilderness. And here we are in the season of Advent, the coming of God, the holy invasion, the breaking into the status quo, the God who turns things upside down, the God who calls powerful politicians weak and who looks at Kioka and says, there's a strong one right there. This is what Advent does. Is it turns over the tables. It, 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 it turns us on our ear. It makes us really understand what true authority and power look like. John the Baptist question to the people was essentially how long will you worship your petty little princes? And I have so many petty little princes. I would love to talk as if this is a problem out there and all those bad people. This week, Lisa got to see one of my petty little princes. It's called OU Football. Oklahoma Sooners were dominating and have been for 23 years. We've had a really good run. You know, Alabama, obviously, clearly the the favorite. You know, Clemson, all this. Ohio State, eh. OU's been, we've been balling for 23 years. And then stupid USC came in and stole away Lincoln Riley from us. They took our coach, and it was shady, and it was dirty. And I just was jacked up for the first couple days of the week. (laughs) Poor Lisa, you know, because I'm Oklahoma boy, and we, we do football, and Lisa was kind of like, oh, bless his heart. You know, like, (laughs) let's get you some matching jammies. (laughs) I was checking Twitter and oh my gosh, and who's our new coach? Would you please hire a new coach because it's recruiting season and we're losing all the great five stars that Lincoln Riley took to USC. Screw those guys. And finally, Lisa was like, you know, you you could put that away. And I was in prayer, and the Lord was like, you know, this is the way God sometimes talks to me. Like, He gave me a little, a little bit of a leash to wallow, and finally he was like, are you serious? <laughs> like, how long will you love your petty little princess? You're going to lose peace over this? You're going to, like, be ang- angsty and kind of chippy and, like, okay, grow up. How long will we love our petty little princes? A couple years ago, I helped bring a couple people together who I thought they needed to know each other. And there was some, and like in my field of work and their, their strength here and their strength there. And do you guys know each other? No, I don't. Brought them together and boom, God blesses the work that they're doing and the thing goes bonkers. And, and I, didn't, I, I, I didn't get any credit and I didn't get any coin. Can a pastor talk about money? Is that like, like I'm a human too. Like, and I had this idea and the idea went bonkers and I was not a part of the thing going bonkers. And I was just kind of like sitting there and I was like, okay, I'm praying it through. And the Lord was like, oh, oh so you, you wanna be a petty little prince? Like this is about you, not about my kingdom going forward and work being done and celebrating someone. Like this is about you, is it, Daniel? You don't wanna prepare the way for the Lord. You wanna make straight paths for yourself? And I fell to my knees and I repented and I've, I've been able to celebrate the goodness that has gone on. It took me a minute. The word of the Lord came to John in the wilderness. The, the wilderness is the place of sparse existence. If you wanna make room for God, you have to trim your life back. If you wanna make room for God, you have to fall in love with simplicity and sometimes anonymity. Anonymity. The prophet tells us to get lean and mean. Something different is required of you. He says, repent. For the way of the Lord is at hand. Prepare ye the way of the Lord and make straight paths for him and every valley shall be filled in and every mountain and hill made low and the crooked places be made straight and the rough smooth and God's salvation will be seen in the earth. John uses topographical language here. John the Baptist says, there needs to be a dramatic change in the topography of your soul and every obstruction and every obstacle must be removed and new trails of sacrifice and intercession have to be cut within you and new highways of holiness need to be hewn out within the, the, the human being to make space for the Lord. We want the way of the Lord, even if it costs us, even if it feels like a death. Prepare ye the way of the Lord and, and, and done with all of my petty little princes, done with all of my trying to cozy up to the, the corridors of power in Rome and done with all of my false alliances and allegiances to things that will actually never really pay off. If you want to find God, you better go to the wilderness. <laughs> prepare ye the way we've all worshiped Caesar and Pilate and Herod Antipas and Philip and Lysanias and Annas and Caiaphas and we've all worshiped our little partisan politics our petty princes we've all we've all found hope at different times in a booming economy where it feels like man the the situation's just getting right for life to work for me and John the Baptist says oh you think that's your lord Be really careful. And when the economy's good, fine, as long as it's not your Lord. As long as you know that God's blessing on your life will mean that you've got to bless other people. Like, that's great. Love love a good economy, but don't ever let it become your Lord. Go to the wilderness and get lean and mean and learn to follow the Spirit into simplicity. John the Baptist says it's gotta go. It's gotta go. It's gotta go. And then the people, miraculously the Spirit, moves these people come to the wilderness because all of their little fiefdoms and their little lordships and their little tetrarchs and and their reliance on Rome it's all falling apart and so they come out into the wilderness in mass and they say to John the Baptist what should we do then okay fine you've got our attention our lives that we thought were going to be meaningful on their own with our own little power structures they actually don't pay off like we thought so what should we do then, John? You've got us. Tell us what to do. John answered them in verse 11, anyone who has two shirts should share with the one who has none. And anyone who has food should share with someone who has no food. Even tax collectors came to be baptized. Teacher they asked, "What should we do? Like do you sense the conviction of the Holy Spirit, people who had tried to build a meaningful life and it didn't work and they're pricked to their heart by the preaching of the word of God and they go, "What should we do?" Even the tax collectors say it and don't collect any more than you are required to," he told them. Don't pull the wool over people's eyes. Don't take advantage of old people who don't know better. Don't fleece people. Don't upcharge people. Like, don't take any more than is required. Then some soldiers asked him, and what should we do? All three groups, what should we do? Don't extort money and don't accuse people falsely because you're in a position of power. And he says, be content with your pay. It's interesting. It blows me away what John the Baptist does not say. All three of them, what should we do? Okay, we hear you, prepare the way of the Lord and make straight paths. Okay, get a little more practical, John. It's interesting to me what he doesn't say. He doesn't say, you should get a new Christian curriculum to study through with your small group. You should pray more and fast more. I just, I just really wish, you you know, let me teach you about fast. He doesn't, that's all great, pray more, fast more. I, I've never, never done that, and that has been the wrong thing to do. But he doesn't say that when they ask him, what should we do? He doesn't say you should quit your job in the business world and go to seminary and take the vow of poverty because that's where the real action is. Come, let me call you to the ministry. He doesn't say that. You got to pay attention to what John doesn't say when all three groups are convicted by the Spirit and they say, just tell us how to change our lives. Here's what he does say John the Baptist's response is, is start practicing a radical economic way of life with each other. Wow. Pastors start talking about money and we get real uncomfortable. I get uncomfortable talking about it because you get uncomfortable. I'm just reading you the text, John the Baptist, and he's borrowing from Isaiah, which is to say this is a very old story. He says, if you've got two winter coats, give one away to someone who doesn't. If you've got extra food, give your food away. If your pantry's full, take care of other people. If your bank account has extra margin in it, find someone who's on the brink looking and and realizing they only have $42. If you're standing in the food line at checking out at Costco and you see a single mom or a single dad loading up and they're counting their money, you just go, hey, it's all taken care of. If you can do that, do that. You don't have to pray about it. Tax collectors don't take more than you should. Don't upcharge people unnecessarily. I love going to a good, honest mechanic. Why? I don't know a dang thing about cars, and I walk into a mechanic shop. Honest to God, I feel vulnerable. Like you could take you could take me to the bank. You could tell me it's going to be four to two hundred dollars today. I wouldn't know if I just needed a new belt. But I found a couple men of God here in town who go, look, I wouldn't do it to my car, so I'm not gonna ask you to do it to your car. Someone who who, who doesn't take advantage where they have a competitive advantage or a knowledge advantage, they just honor people and bless people and treat people the way they would want to be treated. This is what John the Baptist says. When the spirit comes, the world is going to change and we're going to start taking care of each other as if we are family because don't look now, we are. Soldiers, power and clout, you could demand more, you could extort, you could take bribes. In this day, soldiers could go from place to place and just command you, you give me this. I'm a part of the Roman soldier. I'm I'm an elite person on the planet. And no one could say no. He says, don't do that and just be content with what the empire gives you for your wage. Lisa and I went somewhere recently and I was speaking and we traveled. We worked pretty hard for it. Honestly, I'm not like we left our kids and we had to sort out soccer trips and all this stuff. And, you know, to leave for two days takes a minor miracle when you got kids. And we did. And I I spoke and it was a great time and we were leaving. They took us to the airport and the guy gave me a envelope and he said, thank you so much. You blessed us. And, And we got home and I pulled out the card and I opened it up and a check fell out. He gave me an honorarium and Lisa looked at me and she said, that's not our money. And I said, you're exactly right. I'm not here, this isn't isn't unique to us, this isn't special, this is kingdom of God kind of stuff. This is John the Baptist, this is Isaiah, this is Jesus Christ the Lord, this is the body of Christ, this is ancient Israel leaving the edges of their fields. These are agrarians. It doesn't make sense to not harvest 100% of it unless God tells you not to. And they leave the edges of their fields so that the widows and the orphans and the immigrants and the poor people passing through who don't have anyone in their corner can have what they need. I know so many of you, I could tell a 100 stories tonight if I had the time of you right here living this way, of you getting a nice commission check and the spirit speaks to you and, you, and he says, that's not your money, that's for so-and-so. And you just did it, why? because you're a person who follows the Spirit out into the wilderness, and you know how to get lean and mean, and you know that this is not an aberration, this is normal for the people of God. John says, if you want to know the Spirit of the Lord, you will find the Spirit of the Lord as your life gets trimmed back, as your life submits, as your life is poured out, as your life, you end up picking up your own cross and climbing up your own Golgotha and going into your own Gethsemane, and you don't think it's weird, you just think it's what following, Jesus looks like. Friends, this is what the Spirit of the Lord does with us. And if we would all just lay back into that kind of way of being, imagine the world we live in. Imagine the world. But why a radical economic way of life with each other? Jesus makes it really simple for us. In Luke 12, 34, Jesus says, where your treasure is there your heart will be also. When we went into Kioka's house this week, we were able to give her something because every single week we gather here and we all give. And I wanted you to hear her story and I wanted you to see her faith and I wanted you to encounter a woman of God that you might not have known before tonight so that you can see what it's like to fall in love with the body of Christ because Kioka is our sister. <laughs> hey, neighbors in heaven, dibs. <laughs> dibs she's our sister and 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 Jesus says yeah like we don't do this for charity oh bless kioka no we do this because where your treasure is there your heart will be also i love you kioka for the rest of my life i love you and 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 into eternity i love you and you're challenging me and chastening me and calling me up to be a man of god in only the way that you can and 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 Jesus says when you live like this with each other It's not just giving out money, it's giving your life to each other. It's taking care of each other. In a lonely world, you don't have to be lonely when you're a part of the body of Christ. In a tribalistic world, you don't have to just cannibalize each other to death when you're a part of the body of Christ. You can bless those, you can take care of, I don't care how you vote. Have you been washed in the blood of Jesus? Fine, welcome to the family. You're stuck with me. I'm stuck with you. And people outside of the body of Christ, I don't care if you call on the name of the Lord I do care. I do care. But, but, but. <laughs> I do care. But I won't just be good to you if you call on the name of the Lord. Because you are made in the image of God. <laughs> Which means we are a fart a, a fart. good Lord, have mercy <laughs> Jesus have mercy, we are a part of the same family, a part family, apart, family okay, class <laughs> what Jesus says is when we give away starts to get cut in our souls. Where all the obstructions and all the boundaries and all the walls of separation and all the tribalism and all the us versus them, it starts to die. Because the Spirit of the Lord is plowing through every low place, every place where our lives have bottomed out and our souls have tanked. The Spirit lifts us up. And every mountain that has stood in the way of our development and of our discipleship, it gets leveled. And every crooked place, all of us are bent in wrong ways. And he says, when the spirit comes into you, every crooked place snaps back to and is made straight. And every rough place, all of us are rough around. It it starts to be made smooth. And then he says, and the glory of the Lord will be revealed in all the earth and all flesh shall see it together. When the spirit of the Lord comes, he takes us into simplicity. He takes us into openness. He takes us into humility. He takes us into repentance. He starts to help us see people out there different than us, different tribes, different tongues, different nations, different people groups, different political affiliations, different socioeconomic backgrounds, different parts of the city, different sides of the tracks, and it no longer stands up because we see our sister and we see our brother and we've gotten skinny in our souls and we've we've left all of that tribalism to the side and we begin to go prepare the way of the lord and make straight paths for him for every valley shall be filled in and every mountain will be moved and every crooked place made straight and every rough place made smooth and this is a world where kiokas and daniels are easily brothers and sisters in the body of christ this is a no-brainer this is a no-brainer This is a world where you go into the Middle East and you go, these are my brothers and my sisters. And you go to Africa and you go, these are my brothers and my sisters. And you go to to Southeastern Asia and you go, these are my brothers and my sisters. And when you live like this, by the way, you're practicing for eternity. Like get really comfortable with otherness because welcome to heaven. Every tribe, tongue, nation, and people group. Friends, Advent is a season of gift giving and why? because it's like consumerism and you know, all of our manic material. No, no, it's a season of gift giving and that's a Christian thing. It's a theological move to be people that give gifts in this time of the year, why? Because the father gave the son and the son gave his life and he was raised from the dead and he gave us the Holy Spirit inside the life of the Trinity, father, son and Holy Spirit. It is just constant, extravagant, profligate gift giving. And so at this time of year we remember that. And so here's what I want to do. I, I want to call a major audible. And Kioka, would you come up here? And Lisa, would you come up here? This came to me just before the service in prayer that we needed to do something radical tonight. Some of you have felt you heard Kioka's story, and you just like your soul was arrested and you felt like, yes. Different details, certainly different details, but yes. And the word that the Lord gave me was oppression. That many of you come in here living under heavy, dark, like demonic oppression. Not not because of anything you've done, clearly. Not because of anything she had done. But something, the enemy was trying to destroy you. The enemy put that suicidal thought inside of you. The enemy was sending wave after wave against you and praise God you're still here. And some of you, you know what that wave of demonic oppression feels like. You can't catch a break, life is stacking up on top. You know, Just one more thing and it feels like you're going to break in half. And if that's you as I'm describing that, I want you to come up here tonight because we're gonna have a moment here of intercession for you as a congregation. So I'm asking you to be bold. If you're embarrassed about that, no shame. Stay where you are. We'll pray and the, the spirit will give it to you. <laughs> but if you go, yeah. I, if Keoka can tell her story, I'll tell mine. I'll come up and represent tonight. I get it. So if that's you, I'm, I'm inviting you up to the stage right now. I'm inviting you up to the stage so that we as a congregation, thank you, ma'am. We as a congregation can pray at blessing and strength and provision and hope and faith and courage over you. Come on up if that's you, come on up if that's you. No shame, we honor you tonight. We bless you tonight. And if you need to stay in your seat, stay in your seat. Don't don't be embarrassed, don't have your arm twisted. You'll still get the gift of it. But I just felt we needed to, to open it up for someone who felt like they needed to make that move. Come on up here brother, thank you guys. Seth, thank you for coming up. I want you to stretch your hands out tonight and we're gonna pray that a way is prepared for our brothers and sisters tonight. We're gonna pray that the oppression is broken off tonight. This is not a spectator sport. This isn't the pastor's gonna pray and we'll just kind of watch. I'm asking all of you, wherever you are, in whatever whatever amount of faith god has given you to turn this into a moment of intercession for your sisters and brothers tonight so lord tonight we pray for everyone suffering under the oppression we pray free them lord free them lord we pray in jesus name that you would break off the attack of the devil come on church Break off the attack of the devil. Despair in Jesus' name, we pray, be lifted. We pray for holy courage to rise, a supernatural endowment of courage. Lord, I pray tonight in the spirit, something would shift for them. Not by power and not by might, but by the spirit of the Lord. Sometimes we have nowhere else to go. We have nothing else we can say. We, we have no more tricks in the book, no more plays in the playbook. We just fall in your presence and we say, Lord, have mercy, have mercy. We need you, Lord. Holy tears are flowing up here tonight. They're, they're, those are uh, tears of purgation, like there's a cleansing stream that's being opened up. And Lord, I pray for all of my friends here tonight that, that the well of the spirit would begin to flow fresh again, that the water would be, would be renewed deep within them. Lord, we pray that you would provide for every need that they have, that there would be no lack. In Jesus' name, for, for poverty, for lack, we curse it in Jesus' name and we say, let the windows of heaven be open for them. Provision be released for them tonight. Lord, we pray for fear to be rebuked. We pray for anxiety to be driven out. And Lord, we pray what the psalmist says. We pray for good sleep. Would you pray for good sleep for them tonight? That something would shift. The psalmist says in Psalm 4, that I will lie down in peace and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, make me to dwell in safety. Lord, I pray for everyone struggling with sleep tonight. Give them sleep. Heal their bodies. For those that feel alone, I pray tonight that the Comforter would wrap them. Holy Spirit, wrap them in your arms. Lord, we pray that the dark clouds of oppression that have blown in would be driven out by the wind of the Spirit. Let the sun shine again for them. Let hope be renewed again. Let faith rise again. Let a future and a horizon be seen again when it hasn't been seen in years. We speak the blessing of God over you. The enemy has no control over your life. You are not the enemy's. Jesus bought you with his blood. So we speak life, 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 life. Like, come on, church, life over them and blessing over them and peace over them. And we pray, may the Lord our God bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift his bright, smiling countenance upon all of you and grant you peace. And let the story shift right now in the spirit. We pray these things tonight in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and all God's people said. Would you give it up for these people tonight? Stand with me. I stand. You may may go to your seats and get ready to receive communion. I honor and admire your courage, your boldness, your faith. We bless you tonight. If you get your communion elements ready to receive, Linda, could I have one, please? If you don't have communion elements, just raise your hand and our team is gonna quickly go through the room to bring them to you. Some things have shifted tonight in the spirit. We needed this. Hands are being raised, so team, if you can get to them as quickly as possible. I wanna ask the question, why do we receive communion every week? I'll put this up on the screen here. We receive communion every week because communion is the moment where we remember and rehearse the radical self-giving love of the triune God. All of our generosity, all of the way that will be made by the spirit in us has been provided for us by God. Jesus went first. Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took the bread and you can take the bread and break that little wafer in your hands. He broke it and he said, this is my body which is broken for you. Jesus says you will experience fear. I will go there first. You will experience suffering. I will go there first. You will experience loneliness. I will go there first. You will experience betrayal. I will go there first. This is my body, which is broken for you so that when you get there, you'll have food to eat. So Jesus Christ, we need you to feed us tonight. For the weary and the wounded and the afraid and the afflicted, we need you to feed us tonight. For those who wonder where the next rent payment's going to come from, we need you to feed us tonight. For those who really worry about this time of the year because the, the dark clouds just seem to roll in, we need you to feed us tonight. Jesus, we identify with you and there is nothing that you have not experienced of the human experience. And so Jesus, would you feed us your people tonight? Saints, you may receive the broken body. On the same night, Jesus took the cup of wine. Just think about that for a minute. He took the cup of wine. Hours later, he's going to be crucified. He knows what's happening. And somehow he has the wherewithal and the soul space to go, let's have a drink. It's okay. I love you. I'm for you. He's not too caught up in the moment that he fails to celebrate and to bring us into joy and deep relaxation and peace with friends. This cup is the new covenant given in my blood and it's given for the remission of your sins. As often as you do this, remember me. Friends, tonight I'm here to tell you the good news of the gospel is it's okay. You've been forgiven. You are loved by God. He's for you. He's sitting tonight at the table. He's relaxed with you. He, he, he's gonna climb the hill and you might feel like you're climbing your hill somehow, some way, by the spirit. Holy relaxation is gonna come on us tonight. A deep breath of fresh air. So Jesus, we give you thanks. Settle us, your people, tonight. You know what we carry. Would you surprise us with joy even in the midst of it? Friends, you may receive the cup from Jesus. And now let's worship the Lord together. One more, one more bit of singing here. Can we go to the key, O oh, Holy Night? All right, so let's start from the second verse. Truly, he taught us to love one another. Uh, listen, we're in Advent. I'm gonna milk this thing as long as I can, all right? I'd sing this thing in July if y'all would let me. But we're gonna sing this. Let's go from the second verse. Truly, he taught us to love one another into the chorus. Yes, Lord, hey, speak. Hallelujah. He's quickening the animals tonight. (laughs) This is good stuff. Come on, truly he taught us.
2: Truly he taught us to love.
0: Open your hands tonight to receive the blessing as we go. Father, we thank you for tonight. We thank you that we live on a planet with a gal named Kioka. We bless her tonight. For all of her years of faithfulness, bless her 30 and 60 and 100 fold. Lord, for everyone hurting tonight, we pray the comforter would lift them up. For everyone confused tonight, we pray the peace of God would settle in. For everyone afraid tonight, we pray the joy of the Lord would shift it. I pray tonight, may the Lord our God bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift his bright smiling countenance upon you and all of your people and may he grant you peace in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and all God's people said, amen. Can we give God thanks for what he's done here tonight all over again? To our worship team in the String Quartet. Gorgeous. Our prayer team is coming down to the front. We would love to pray with any of you if you have prayer needs. If you want to adopt a family for Christmas, buy some Christmas gifts. You can go back to Guest Central and get information. Go from here tonight in God's grace and peace. Much love.